we we uh, pray for another body of Christ, and because Boomerang, we want to do the best job that we possibly can as a church and as a body in the body of Christ. But we recognize this: we're not the only body. Matter of fact, we're not the best body. We are a part of the best body in Jesus Christ. And so in order for us to make sure that we keep that perspective and not just be like everything, go boomerang. No, go Jesus. Go body of Christ, you know. Um, So we want to keep our humble. We want to keep sober about what this relationship actually is. And so today, every week, we try to pray for another church and their pastor and their leadership. So today, I wanted to, felt like we were supposed to pray for Highland Baptist and Pastor Mike and Melissa Medeiros. And so let's just lift them up. Will you join with me? And let's lift them up like we were praying for ourselves. So Father, right now, we lift up Highland Baptist. Lord, we just thank you so much for the gift to the body of Christ that that church and Pastor Mike and his wife Melissa is. Lord, we just ask that the blessing of God may be on them, that your love would manifest in them like never before. Lord, we just ask that every, every plan, every strategy that the devil has will fall to nothing. The grace of God will raise up greater and their whole walk will be on new levels in you. May your love be made manifest. May your wisdom be in their leadership. And may they see things and know things by your spirit of revelation and wisdom, Lord. We praise you for that and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And then, uh, had several things to handle this morning, this is not always, but uh, I understand that somebody might be going to uh, college next week or something, is that right? Yep. Will you come up here? Come on, Miss Brooke, and come on, Mom. We just want to pray for you, and uh, pray for blessings. She might have told on you, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> just in case you were figuring that out, and so... Well, Lord, we just ask for blessings on Brooke in every way. Ask, Lord, that this whole trip and this whole journey would be of you. Lord, we just plead the blood of Jesus over her. That no weapon formed against her shall prosper, but they shall all fall to the ground like they never existed. And Lord, we just ask that your plans, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May the love of God be, and may you just pour out in her greatly. May, may she catch a fire and a hunger that goes beyond what she has ever had for you. Your will be done in her life. May, may she be sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We love you. (laughs) Peace for mama. Amen. Amen. All right. I think I made it through. Did we have to pull out chairs? Oh, yes. We had to pull out chairs this morning. That's cool. Amen. You got a testimony? (laughs) Well, tell it. All right. So we moved up here, what? Three years ago, two years ago. And when we moved up, we were staying with her mom. Wasn't really a smart idea, but <laughs> then we got our own place. So we've been looking for a place to live for a year and a half, a house to buy. We wanted to go and buy something new, but nothing was working the way we wanted to. 
when we <clears throat> first started looking, I found a house up here off of Canton, and they had listed like 140,000, which at the time was out of our price range. So we kept looking, and everything we would find in our price range was either bad neighborhood or had to have so much work put into the house that it wasn't going to benefit us and everything. So then we just kept going, and we had talked to Brian and Nicole about stuff, and you know they told us not to move until you know God God would tell us where to go, and yeah. He would give us the opportunity that we were looking for and everything that we needed in the house. And then we had I had a car issue. And we had a rental car. When we went to turn the rental car in, I had just so happened to found twenty dollars in the floorboard that day. Don't know where it came from, and we had forgot to lay something out for dinner. So we went to dinner that night after we dropped the rental car off. And on the way home, <laughs> we just happened to see that that house had changed realty companies. So I told her to call and see what they, you know, maybe a different realty company that came down on it. Well, they went from one hundred forty down to ninety-five thousand for the house. So she called set up a meeting we can never get a meeting that week so the next week he called her back they had dropped it down to 90,000 so then we set up an appointment to go see it and as soon as we walked in the house we both just we both knew that that was that was it it was in the school district we were wanting to be in the repairs nothing needing to be really repaired that was out of our means and then so we put an offer in just lowballing to get where you know we already had our limit where we wanted to go so we put our offer in, and they came back with a counter that was exactly to the dollar that we wanted to go to. <laughs> so, the yeah, the, 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 the very next the day. Yeah. And half of the people were live in Florida, so to get a response back within a day is pretty, pretty good. So favor everything started going with it, and we knew we was gonna have to do, replace the roof, which wasn't a big deal. We had kind of figured that in in our budget. Well, then a couple of weeks ago, we found out the AC unit was crap. So that was going to be another six grand that we weren't expecting. Um, so we called the realtor and talked to him about it. But the sellers came back and said, you know, well, we'll give you $4,800 at closing to replace the unit. And it just so happens I have a friend who does heat and air. So I can get the unit for like $2,500. He told me to only charge me $100 to fix it. So that saves $1,500. So then the extra money buys the roof so we don't even have to come out of pocket to replace the roof on it. So that's that's a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so everything that we had been talking to Brian and Nicole and told us not to move pretty much happened exactly how Amen. they wanted to the the area, the school, the size Amen. of the house, everything. So you know that's a Amen. Praise God. That's great. There's a. Uh, that was like the perfect testimony for today because we're talking about how God does things and um, how he wants to do things. And so as you were listening and obedient to wait, be patient. And those with faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And so as you were faithful that, all right, God knows when to talk to me, when to tell me something to do, we'll be patient. And now we'll look at all that stuff that worked out. And yeah, and when we found out about the air conditioning last week when we left church, when Pastor Barbie was here, I yeah. remembered him saying, you know, he used to go out to a plot of land with nothing on it, hadn't even put an offer in, and was just walking around thanking God for it. And on the way home that day, she was like, you know, <laughs> we need to, she goes, I feel like we should just stop and, and do the same thing. So we stopped by <laughs> the house that, that day, and yeah. we were walking around the house and just thanking him for our house and everything. Uh -huh. And that's when we found out that the sellers were going to give us pretty much the money to replace everything. Amen. Too, so. 
That's good stuff, isn't it? Are you happy? Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God's so good. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Well, a lot of times I'm not wearing a jacket, but I'm obedient too, and I felt like I was supposed to this morning. So if you're used to me not having a jacket and you're like, what is he doing? Is something changing? It's just, it's what he told me to do today. So I hope I look. I, I, I wanted to be presentable, apparently. God was like, you need to dress up, boy. So, uh, okay, there you go. So, I know, color-coordinated socks. It's true. I got the purple socks. Amen. The camera couldn't see that. That's probably a good thing. I need your hat. No. No, no, no. No, no. He said, I want to be obedient. I pr- thank you, brother. Oh, um, so we've been talking about being all in uh, with the Lord because ultimately as a Christian, uh, we really shouldn't see any other choice but to be all in with God. But the problem with being all in with God is this, your flesh has to get put down. And the flesh don't like that. The flesh wants to cry and scream and yell and pull its hair out and throw temper tantrums and tell you how much you're going to miss this. And But I like doing this and I want my whatever you fill in the blank. But if we're going to be all in with God, we've got to recognize, are we ours or are we God's? Now he gave us free choice. And the reason he gave us free choice was that allows us to operate either in love or out of love. Without choice, you can't have love. And so he said, I'm going to give you free choice. You can make whatever decision you make. And, and I've already paid for everything through Christ. But the, but the issue is you can do everything. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Not all things are beneficial to you. So... He gives us choice, and, the, and what's amazing is he says, hey, make this right choice, go this direction, go the godly way, go the way of love, and along with that, I'm going to bless you because you make the right choice. But what is it that we don't get about that? And, and the answer is the flesh has a really loud voice. The flesh wants to do, our flesh nature wants to do what our flesh nature wants to do. And it's never going to stop wanting to do that. And it's always going to war with the Holy Spirit. And if you're born again and you have a renewed spirit, your flesh is always going to go against your spirit. And at some point along the way, we've got to wake up and say, wait a minute, who's making the decisions in this life where Jesus is supposedly Lord? Is he really Lord? Is he really the director of my life, or am I just giving them lip service? Do I, do I call them Lord and I go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, throughout the day, Saturday, and even after church on Sunday, we let our flesh tell us whatever we're going to do. And that's when it really comes down to getting real. And you know what the people's problem in the world is? with Christianity and with church and with religion is that people aren't all in. You know why Christianity blew up in the first four centuries? 
Because they were killing Christians. And the Christians had to decide, am I all in or not? You see, we have the luxury of not being killed today because we love Christ. At least in America. But in other places, they, they, they have to make that choice. If I make Jesus my Lord, I just put a target on my back. And we're not talking about, you know, the devil's going to talk about me behind my back. We're talking about he's going to try and kill me. Somebody's going to want to put a gun in my face and pull the trigger because I said Jesus is Lord. In America, we don't really have to face that right now. We don't have to face that. But see, should it be that we have to face that to actually make Jesus our Lord? We should be the kind of people that say, you know, have, you remember in, with the stories of Israel, what would happen is God would bless Israel and they'd go, boom, up here, it'd be awesome. And then they'd get up there and it'd be awesome and they'd forget about the things of God and they'd go down. And then they'd get down here low where they realized, can anybody help me but God? And so they'd turn back to God again and they'd go, boom, and they'd be back on top again. They'd get on top and then they'd go, oh, I forget. Well, this is America exactly. That's exactly. We are the only nation in the history of the world that basically was formed for Jesus with God at the helm. And we have what happened? Boom, success. I mean, he blessed it. And then we get up there with all that success, and guess what happens? We start falling. Because why? Not because we had to fall. Because we forgot why we were there in the first place. I've found that sometimes it's harder to trust God when you're dealing in success. Let me just give this to you. If you can figure out how to trust God and go all in at all times, you can live in the places of success. The reason you can't live and the reason why God can't give you the success that you dream of, but he actually desires for you is because when you get up there, you're going to forget how you got there. If you will get it solid inside of you, we don't have to be the kind of people that only hear and experience God in the low places. Matter of fact, that's not God's way. That's not his plan at all. If that was the plan, in, in heaven there would be shacks and dirt roads, not roads of gold and mansions. That's where we see his will being done without the corruption of the flesh. Uh, see, but the problem is people are not content on this earth and they're so flesh-driven that they've never really experienced the fullness of God's plan in their life because they move into a false humility. They move into all these different things. And, and they really miss out on God. And then the world looks at them and goes, why would I want to be that? Because is the world concerned about your morality? No. If the, if the world doesn't know God, it means in 1 John 4, 8, it says if they don't, they don't love, it's because they don't know him. So if the world doesn't know God, they're not moving in love. You tell them to do this because it's the right thing to do. And ultimately, down inside their heart, without knowing God, they're going, who cares? And so what do they care about? They care about them. They're going, what can you do for me? You know, they see somebody successful, they try to mimic that. They, why? Because they are interested in their things. So a lot of times they look at the church and they say, 
well, why would I want to be that? They're all beat down, broken, and disgusted. And, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about love. Like, you know, because they'll come to the church. Joe and I were talking the other day. They'll come to a church, and all of a sudden, and, you know, somebody will say something, and, and uh, they'll be like, you can't come in here like this. You better get cleaned up first. That You don't bring that in here. I'm like, bring it in here. This is where you need to be. Praise God. This is what you need. You need the word because all of a sudden, because I know you start hearing this word, things start changing. You start seeing yourself as a child of God like we sang about. You start seeing yourself. What? I am a child of God. I am seated in heavenly places like with him, like him in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm seated there? You mean I can accept him as my Lord and all of a sudden I become a part of his family? Well, see, we should be wanting to follow him no matter what happens. If we were just to be considered the lowliest servant in the kingdom of God, we should be content with that. That's where we should be content with. But the character and nature of God does not leave you there. And the world comes in and says, wait a minute. This is T.O. Osborne was a great missionary, and, and um, one of the things, uh, he went out, he, when I met, when Nicole and I met him, it was, uh, I think he was in his late 70s, he had been in over 82 countries, and he had won hundreds of thousands of people for Christ. A lot of what you see Reinhard Bonnke doing today was patterned after the things that T.L. did. And uh, so here was T.L. Osborne. He went on his first missionary trip. Now, us looking back see that this was a great man of God and all the great things that he's done and, and won and been missionaries to all these countries. He'd won people for Christ. But when he went out on his first missionary trip, here's what happened. Nothing. <laughs> they, it was a complete failure. Absolute, complete failure. And so what happened was they came back home to the States after their first trip. And, and they said, I don't know if I want to do this ever again or not. Lord, you've got to help me. If you say I'm called to do this, then you've got to help me. You, you've got to do something. I'm missing something. Help me see what it is. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to learn about the blood covenant. And so he went back. And he taught on the blood covenant. He learned, he went back, he taught on the blood covenant, and thousands of people started coming. And they received miracles and got saved and healed and delivered, just like that. the life of God came to Africa, which is where he was at that, that, at that time. Well, what's important about that? Because in our nation, we're not as familiar with the blood covenant, which is why he wasn't that familiar with it. But in that nation... And in a lot of nations around the earth, they understand blood covenant. That if we enter blood covenant together, we are forever bonded as one. And so when he said that Jesus Christ came as to be given as a blood covenant to the world, all of a sudden their eyes opened up. You mean I can be one with God? I can be a part of his family and what he has is mine. And they said, we'll do that. Now, they didn't have love in their heart, but they knew the importance of that. You mean I can be one with the creator of the universe? 
what? That's what they said. I mean, it, it, just like that. It was awesome. And, and they accepted Christ as their Lord. And he won thousands because of that. This is God's plan of evangelism. It's very important to know the ways of God. Now, I ask you this question as we get into it. Is, is the old covenant, right, under the law, or the new covenant, the New Testament through Christ, and, and I believe it's in Hebrews, it says one is better than the other, right? Which one? The old or the new? The new. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll come back to that. So we've been talking about being all in for God. That means everything that I do is for him. In Revelation, it says, I don't want you, I don't want you lukewarm. Be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm. In other words, go all in. Well, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings 3. And here we have the story of Solomon. And last Last week, we told this story, and basically, Solomon brought this huge offering to God, and, and, and basically, he did a thousand cattle, and I'm thinking what we talked about was a hundred be a lot, wouldn't it? I mean, a hundred cows, that's a, bunch of, that's a bunch of meat. That's a bunch of beef there. But he, he sacrificed a thousand. It was a big offering that he gave. Then it says, he went on down that night, he had a dream. And it says in verse 5, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. And what we examined was this. What if, I mean, the wealthiest billionaire in the world came to you and said, What do you want me to give you? What would your answer be? Well, I mean, think about it. Every problem you have can basically be bought and paid for with somebody like that. But we're not talking about the wealthiest person on the earth. We're talking about God himself. And he comes to Solomon and says, what can I give you? That meant in a moment's time, Solomon could change everything and have the best of everything if he desired, if he asked for that. But here's what an all-in attitude and all in life does lord what do you want i'm not asking for me let me ask you since you've provided an opportunity here let me ask for you what do you want and he saw his heart and he said where the lord's heart is is in these people and he said lord and he recognized, he humbled himself to know. He humbled himself to know, I may be king, but I'm still learning. I don't know everything. And he said, help me have wisdom so that I can lead your people. That's an all-in. An all-in attitude and an all-in life seeks God before it seeks itself. Then God says in verse 11, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like, like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked 
both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Now here's very interesting. So he turns his heart, and let, let me put it this way, he seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are added to him. Now in this blank, all these things, you put whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that solving your problems will bring, because that is the kind of stuff that God will do. But the key to it is that we go all in. The key to it is that we seek Him. It's not just money. You know how much people that have a stuff. That's been the American culture. That's been Christians. Because they're so, even still, they have God. And they're still so concerned about stuff. Stuff is making their decisions, not God. And just like that monkey, they won't let go of it. They can be born again. They can know God. They can be in the family. Jesus said it like this. Everything I have is yours. And yet they won't let go of the stuff. And all of a sudden, when they let go of the stuff, just like that monkey, they can get free. But the difference is they'll walk away with the stuff too because that's who God is. Now this is this is very interesting because it's look here in that verse it says this he says verse uh, thirteen I have also given you what you've not asked for so who's giving here who's doing the blessing it's very important and I'll point you real quickly to First Timothy six and First Timothy. 6 verse 6 and verse 1 Timothy 6 verse 8 it says but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment but here's the thing this is what we talked about last week and if you hadn't heard all of this series man this would this is a good one you, you can go back to part one this is part five there's a lot in it and every Christian needs this verse 8 says this if we have food and covering with these we should be content in other words, you should be able to give away your whole life down to, I got food to eat and I got clothes on my back, maybe a covering over my head if you want to look at it that way. And with that, the Lord says, I should be content. But he says, if I can get to that place, if I can be all in at that place, and I go in, combine that with godliness, with seeking him first, it says, actually, godliness is a means of great gain. See, that's the problem that a lot of believers have been missing out on is, is they've been going after the gain, but not going after godliness and contentment. Amen. We need to be able, I, I know we talked about a little bit, I had a decision, Nicole and I, several years ago, and the decision basically was, I'm taking you financially back to zero. There was the possibility for that. And we said, we knew it was God. And at some point, we just said, you know what? It's yours. And the Lord never did take us back to zero in that instance. But man, did he bless us. What happened was our heart got right and he was able to actually move us into the place that he wanted us to be. That, that decision is what gave us the ability to start boomerang. 
Had we not gotten to the place of contentment, this would probably not be here. So let's see what God gave in 1 Kings 3. I'm going to go real fast. 1 Kings 3, 3 through 14. Or excuse me, I was on the wrong page. 1 Kings 4, verse 20. It says, the people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They were very contented with plenty to eat and drink. Solomon ruled over the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. They conquered people of those lands, uh, sent tribute money. The conquered peoples of those lands sent tribute money to Solomon. And continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. The daily food, just listen to this. The daily food requirements for Solomon's palace, not the kingdom, the palace, were 150 bushels of choice flour, 300 bushels of meal, 10 oxen from the fattening pens, 20 pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep or goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roe deer, and choice poultry. Solomon's dominion extended over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River from Tishba to Gaza, and there was peace on all his borders. Praise God. And just, just Lord, I just ask right now that peace would be on all the borders of people's lives in Jesus' name. You are not a respecter of persons. During the lifetime of Solomon, all of Judah and Israel lived in peace and safety. A lot of people are after peace and safety and they're doing all the physical things to try and grab it and they're just like that monkey. You want peace and safety? Go all in with God. We're looking at today, what does all in produce? This is what all in produced. And from Dan in the north to Beersheba Beersheba in the south, each family had its own home and garden. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his chariot horses, and he had 12,000 horses. The district governors faithfully provided food for King Solomon and his court. You know what I notice it it doesn't say right here? It doesn't say that the district governors uh, regretfully gave to Solomon. That's a whole nother level of living when you got people that are faithfully, they want to do something. He's got peace in this kingdom. Who gave all of this? God. Each made sure nothing was lacking during the month assigned to him. They also brought the necessarily barley and straw for the royal horses in the stables. God gave Solomon great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men in the east and the wise men in Egypt. He was wiser than anyone, including Ethan the Ezraite and the sons of Mahal, Heman, Calcol and Darda. Amen. Thank you, Lord. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. Think, think about that. The blessing and the gift of God on his life from him being all in caused fame to spread about him. Now, here's the, here's the key. God wants to spread fame about each one of you too. But here's the key. What happens... When that fame starts to bring glory your way. What are we supposed to do with the glory? Whose glory is it? 
turn it right back to him. He composed 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from the cracks in the wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. You know, we see this promise we've been talking about. 2015 is a year to be the light, right? That's why the poster's on the wall and in the hallway. Be the light. And it says in Isaiah 60 that we're supposed to shine and be bright. It says nations and kings will come to the brightness of your shining. But we can see that it hasn't really happened in the church today, has it? But yet, here's Old Covenant. Here's, here's Old Testament blessing of God. And kings are sending their ambassadors to learn what? about this man that has been so blessed by God. Again, I'll go back to this now. Who did the blessing? Whose will was done in Solomon's kingdom? And is this old covenant or new covenant? This is old. We're living in a better covenant. These are the kind of things that we're supposed to be walking in. Not just the money, not just the stuff, but the wisdom and the brightness of the shining of Christ in us. And how does it happen? By going all in with God. By going all in. By making the step that says, everything I do, I do it for Jesus. Every decision I make, I do it for Him. Whether I watch TV right now, or I go to sleep, or I read the Bible, or I pray. Whatever I do, I'm doing it for Him. Lord, what's your... We're always leaving our heart open for Him to say, Hey, do this. Because in His obedience, in obedience to Him, just like the widow with the mites, you, ask, you say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. More than what my flesh is yelling at me. I trust you more than logic is telling me. I trust you. And here's what else. I trust your nature. This is the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. Which is what Jesus told us to pray. This is it. Look here in, in uh, chapter 10, it goes on and it talks about when the queen of Sheba came. And it says, when the queen of Sheba heard Solomon's fame, which had brought honor to the name of the Lord. His fame that the Lord had gifted him had brought honor to the name of God. See, I, I hesitate asking this question, but let's just say, let's just say, that God walks in today and he passes out a million dollars to everybody that's sitting here. Well, after a bunch of shouting and hallelujah and all of us getting holy for a moment, right? Will what we do after that bring honor to the name of God? I, I just am going to guess that it probably wouldn't. You know why? Because you don't have it already. That means we got, still got stuff to work on. But the will of God is to get that kind of stuff in us. Why? Because out of the overflow... That's how we're supposed to help people. 
It's not about the money. The money's nothing. God can get it to you just like that. It's not about the health. Health is nothing. He can get it to you just like that. It's not about deliverance and all that. It's about God's heart for us. And it's about our heart to him. We've got to get to the place where we're content no matter what we see in the natural. But we're content with God. We're content to say, you're worthy of my decisions. You gave and paid for me. Now I'm going to give you me out of that love. I'm going to give you my love, my life back. He says the fame brought honor to the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. She met with Solomon and she talked with him about everything she had on, it, on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. See, it wasn't just her wisdom. She was looking at everything where the gift of God had been poured out, and she was overwhelmed. Now, what does that do to a person? Let's watch what happens to her. When the queen of... Uh, excuse me, I just said that, verse 4. Verse 5, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. It's true. <laughs> You know, you got to think she was hearing all these stories going, yeah, i got to go see this for myself. I'll believe it when I see it. And then she gets there, and it's true. It's like, what? Your God is that great? We should have people doing that. People should be going and looking into your life and going, what? He's that good? What? You waited and were patient? And he turned out what you needed exactly and then blessed you on top of it in the house. What? What? I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and I saw it with my own eyes. You see, if they don't have God and they're not moving in love, they don't really need what you tell them. They need to see it. They're not even capable of moving in the fullness of faith really yet. They're not, they're not believing what they don't see. They're believing what they see. They're watching your actions. They're watching what your life produces in the things of God. And if it ain't producing the things and the glory of God, why would they want that? They don't. Why would they want the cynical, self-righteous nature that so many times we as Christians in the church have shown them? Can't come in here. You're not holy enough. Well, the fact that you just said that made you not holy enough. I don't want to go there. That's what a lot of people think. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I have not heard the half of it. 
In other words, what she had heard was just the beginning. Matter of fact, it completely under-promise, over-deliver. When she showed up and saw it with her own eyes, here's what happened. I didn't hear all of it. I didn't even hear half of it. This is awesome. Your God is good, is what she's saying. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord God. Who's saying this? The unbeliever. I didn't believe it. The unbeliever is saying, praise the Lord your God. Because there was somebody who decided I'll go all in. We need a lot more of this. We need a lot more of that. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Let me just say this. Did you know that the Lord takes delight in you? He loves you. He said you're worthy of His love. You're worthy. I know you've had your times. You've had your mess ups. But He delights in you. If he didn't delight in you, he would have said, forget the world. They screwed up. I'm moving on. But he said, I want to take my delight in them. I want to do what it takes so that I can have them and they can have me. And he sent his son. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you. And has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold. Alright, so 9,000 pounds of gold. Anybody got a quick calculator? Okay, good. $158.4 million offering to that nation. Now here's what I want you to get. Don't think about it as money. Think about this. Do you know what she just did? What do you think her flesh was saying about a $158 million offering? What was her flesh doing? No! No, no, no. He's got plenty already. He doesn't need any more. Her flesh, you know, was yelling and screaming. Here, here's the point. It's just used in terms of money here. Here's what she did. When she saw somebody go all in and what it produced, this is what she did. I'm going all in too. I'm going all in too. That's what we've been lacking in the world. That's what the world has been lacking in us. That's what the church has not had. Is people, a group of people that will say, I'm all in. Every decision I make. It's not made off of emotion. It's not made off of logic. It's not made off of need. It's made off of God. Because he's got the best emotion. He's got the best logic. And he doesn't have any needs. I'm giving my decisions to him. I truly am making him the Lord and the director. And when we do that, we're going to find other people who say, I'll go all in with you. Yeah. And now we've got a group. One can put a thousand flight. Two can put ten thousand. Now we start beating down the gates of hell. Now this is the church that the gates of hell did not prevail against. Not the one that just came in and felt good for being here on Sunday morning. The one... That said, I'll be everything you call me to be. And I'm not making the decisions. You're my Lord. I'm all in. 
She gave a great quantity of spices and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, Hiram's ships brought gold from Ophir, and they brought rich cargoes of red sandalwood and precious jewels. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, besides all the customary gifts he had already so generously given. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. That's $880 million a year in today's gold standard. This did not include the additional revenue he received from the merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land. Now, why did God bring in that gold? Was it all just for Solomon? No, it was for the kingdom so that they could continue to live in peace and safety and plenty. That was for them, the people that God delighted in. All of the King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made for, of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. <laughs> silver was considered worthless. This is an amazing statement. Who was the giver? Whose will was done here? This should maybe change our perspective of what God actually wants to do. And it's not just for, not just, you know, so that you can say, I have all this stuff. It's so that people will come and say, praise the Lord your God. He goes on, the king had a fleet of trading ships that sailed with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years, the ships returned loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him and hear the wisdom God had given him. This is what we're supposed to be doing with the world. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon built up a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them uh, in the chariot cities, some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. And valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. This is God's way of doing things if he's allowed to be all in in his people. This is God's way of doing things. So if we're moving in lack in this earth, is it the, is it the earth itself or does some of it come back to his people not being all in? Well, we were put here to be a preservant. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. But if we've lost our ability to preserve and we've lost that light and we lose that when we don't give God our decisions, what good is it? So I'm tired of the church being a what good are they kind of church. And I want us to be the kind of church that's an all-in kind of church. Lord, I live for you. You are worthy of my decisions. The people around me that will benefit from the decisions I make in my family, in my workplace, everywhere else, they're worthy of me making decisions for you. My kids 
are worthy. My home is worthy of me making decisions for you. Last verse here in Philippians 2, verse 5. We talked about, Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. In Philippians 2, verse 5, it says this, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Well, what that's saying is this. He didn't have to reach up to grab a hold of equality with God. He didn't have to try and grab a hold of it because he already was it. He already had it. He didn't have to grab it. He already had it. He was equal with God. Verse 7, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our job as Christians is to become more Christ-like. Our job as Christians is to do the same thing that Jesus did here. You may have a right to live the way that you're living, just like Christ had a right to be God and stay in heaven. But our job is to copy his Christ-likeness, to copy his righteousness, to do things out of the love that God has for us and to give that love to other people. And it simply says this, Lord, these are not my decisions anymore. In love, I give you these decisions and I humble myself to your wisdom and to your love. And then watch what it produces. What does all in produce? It produces blessings and wisdom and glory and honor. And it also does this, verse 9. When he humbled himself, even to death. You know, in Revelation it says this. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives, even to the death. In other words, they didn't love their flesh more than they loved God. They were willing to let go of the things of this worldly, fleshly life and the decisions and the reasons that they've been making them a lot of times all their life. And the world has taught them so well to make decisions this way. They're willing to say, I trust you more than I trust what I've been taught. I trust you more, God, because your nature, your character is better than what the world has taught me. I trust you more than what my flesh is yelling at me and screaming at me. I trust you more. And I give you me. I go all in. The same way that Christ gave his. And I'll go all in even if it means to the point of death. I am all in with you. Even if it goes to the point of death, I'm all in with you. If you told me to go and be in the middle of some place that's incredibly harsh towards Christians, I'm not trying to make a decision based off of what I think and logic says, uh-uh, stay out of there. I'm making the decision because you told me to go. I'm making a decision because it's you and I love you and you loved me. And here's what can happen. For this reason, when Christ went all in with mankind, 
dropped godliness, dropped being equal with God, and became a man. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what an all-in life does. It produces a heart in people that makes their tongue want to confess glory to God. We need more of that. I want to be that. I want you to be that. And for the sake of God, I want God to have that from each one of us. Let's just stand. Lord, we just praise you today. And we worship you. Lord, we want to be all in with you. In every way, in everything. We don't want to miss not one thing. We don't want to miss not one thing that you have planned. There's a people around us. There's, there's people in our homes that need us to be all in. There's our spouses that need us to be all in. Our children need us to be all in. Our extended family need us to be all in. Our co-workers need us to be all in. God needs us to be all in. And he's asking you, will you be all in? So right now I just want to lead a prayer. You can just say it quietly and repeat along with me if you want to. But just, Lord, this day, I want to be all in with you. I'm not saying it just because Pastor Brian's saying it. My heart yearns for you. I want to be all in with you. I want to make decisions based on you, not me. And I receive your leading. And your guidance. So that I can be. All in for you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well I just thank you for being here. I thank you for having a heart. To give God more of the things. In your life. And we just praise God for you. Because what I see is I see a people. That's growing. In the ability. To lead others to the glory and praise of God. To be more minded about God and his kingdom and his righteousness than they are themselves. And that's what Christ has always been leading us to. To simply pattern our lives the way he patterned his after the fathers. So Lord we receive that right now. And I just ask that you would seal these things. Lord, I know that the devil comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. He'll immediately challenge the prayers that they just offered to you. Lord, I just ask right now for the veils of deception to be dissolved and the strength of God to rise in them, to walk out the convictions that the Holy Spirit's placed in their hearts. And Lord, let them be the kind of people that life truly overflows in 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, if you're our guest for the first time, uh, we'd like to give you a gift if you haven't received it already. And Jeff and Tara are right over here, and uh, they will help you with that. And we just appreciate you being here. Have a great week. We love you. Bye-bye.